Yo, welcome to a gloomy episode of Where It Went podcast. And I mean, I, I say gloomy because the three of us are all living in different cities across America and all three of us, the weather's not really nice right now. And I think maybe, honestly, it's kind of affecting my mood a little bit. Damn. I get a little bit of the June gloom in November. Um, I know that people Bro, get seasonal. You live, in, you live in Southern California. Damn, November coming <laughs> you're, fire. You're entitled to have a couple gloomy days. <laughs> yeah. We li- Jason and I live this shit. Man. That's right. That's yeah, we right. live it. You know what I always, before I did a lot of traveling, I always wondered about what it would be like to go to like a bar or a club in Chicago in like December or January and how terrible it would be like walking the cold streets and the snow and like having to deal with coat check and like getting a taxi and all that shit. Um, you get used to it. Boston. You ever been to Boston in the wintertime? Yo, I up. went, I remember the first time I think we went up there was, uh, the, Edge Day 2000 when In My Eyes last show. Yeah, I was at that. Bit of boat of my man Pops. That's right. Bit of um, boat. And, you know, it was, it was you know, Edge Days in the middle of October. Why? And Why? Um, October 17th. So yeah, it was why? Like around that time. It was because yeah, the, the, first, the first Edge Day was 10 Yard Fights last show. And that's what they said right. this is going to yeah, be did now. Did you go to that, Jason? But don't you think it. that it should be March 24th? Why March 24th? Because 324 XXX. I got you. I think, you know what? I'm just going to say right now, if you, if, if straight edge kids were smart, that's what it would have (laughs) been. We're not though. And that's a big, anyway, we're, we're, you know, I hadn't, I don't think I'd ever been to new England before then. Okay. And it was, you know, October here and I packed a windbreaker. And it was so cold up there um, and it was October and just windy. And I was not happy about that decision at all. Sounds terrible. And I can't imagine, I don't know if I, I feel like I, I've been there a bunch since then, but I, I think I learned and wore like, you know, at least a sweatshirt or something, not parka. a windbreaker. Do yeah, it a puffy yeah, but then what do you do with your parka when you come into the gig? Fucking Find somewhere to hot. stow it. You just go, man's not well, hot. Keep it, it on. It, Brave it out. That's no, dumb. it it depends. Cause like like when I went to the show on, uh, you know, I saw Quicksand uh, a couple days ago. There was a coat check at the venue. Now, granted, a hardcore show, there's not going to be a coat check, um, but just I usually just will have a long sleeve on and then leave the coat in the car. And just run in as long as I don't have to wait in a long line or something. Anyway, what do we got today? What do we got today, Jay? <laughs> well, today we're talking about the State of the Nation LP, self-titled State of the Nation, Revelation Records number 44. We're still in 1995. So before right. we get to so we this is cool because we got to talk to the entire band. I love them when we get to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked to the Hayworth brothers. Rob and Mark, their names, you know, they, they've come up in conversation in a lot of earlier episodes, what with, you know, the Inside Out connection and Gorilla Biscuits, you know, Mark played in Gorilla Biscuits, Rob filled in for Insight. Um, so, you know, these, these are names um, that have kind of come up a lot 
throughout the last 43 Canon mm-hmm. episodes. So it's kind of cool to get to talk to those guys. And of course, Andy Patterson, uh, who does recording engineering and stuff, which, you know, is all talked about in the interview. So, um, you know, we got all three of them. It was a cool talk. Uh, Javier, unfortunately, wasn't able to be there. Um, Jason and I, I think we, we didn't leave any stone unturned. What do you Agreed. think, Jay? We right. tried our best, so, yeah. Yeah. So I guess before we get into the interview, uh, I think it would be a good time to... I got one. It is. I want to. I want to give a uh, a bit of bow to our dear friend Oisey and End Hits Records. Uh, as we're recording this, they had just announced the reissue remastered treatment of Shelter's uh, 2001 album, The Purpose, The Passion, um, which is kind of sort of like a. It's a later period Shelter record. It's it's a bit for lack of a term, kind of a bit forgotten because it's not on streaming services. Um, it wasn't on Rev. It wasn't on Victory. I think it was on like a uh, super soul and century media and, you know, vinyl is very hard to find, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They gave it as they always do the deluxe treatment. Um, we are fortunate enough where we've actually had these vinyl copies for a while. Um, they have, what do they call that? A die cut cover. Yes, it has like die cut. cut. Yo, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I got a copy of this record uh, a few months ago, a couple months ago, and I took it out to take a picture of it to send to someone. And my wife walked in the room and she's like, "Oh my gosh, what is that? It looks so cool, like with the cover all cut out." And I was like, "Yeah, you can do all this cool stuff, like turning the the cover around, and like one side's Hanuman, and then one side's like." Lord Ram and yeah. and Sita and um, it's it's really really nice looking. And yeah, I wanted very. to let people know, by the way, it's not there's not two different covers. But I think I saw people like, oh, which cover are you gonna choose? Like, right, you can flip the it way around. It's set up, yeah, the inner sleeve. You can choose your warrior. Yeah, it's remastered. It's I, I I'm not sure if it's remixed. Should probably know this. And it's up now on streaming. And if that's not enough, what else did End Hits do, Hav? You want to talk about that? Yeah, so in the 90s, there was a zine, a fanzine, called War on Illusion. And it was done by a guy named Porcel, Bach de Porcel, who eventually uh, took a spiritual name known as Parmananda Das. And he made three issues of this zine that blended hardcore and Krishna consciousness. We, we call this mix Krishna core, if you're not familiar with this. And he literally would interview like Snapcase and Downset. And uh, there's a couple other interviews in there, maybe Prema. But then he would also interview like Swamis uh, and have articles by big time gurus in the Hare Krishna movement. And he put it all together very early days of Photoshop and other, you know, um, computer design programs. And so Oise reached out to us and said that he was going to make a book 
compiling all of these hard to find issues. Well, some of them are hard to find. Some of them are pretty easy to find on eBay, but it's all in one tome now. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Parmananda about the zine. And that interview comes as like a foreword to the book. So if you open the book, it's going to be a conversation between myself and Porcel about the zine, about Krishna core, about hardcore. And I got to tell you, I'm so honored that I got to be a part of this and that our podcast got to be a part of this uh, memorialized forever. And so mm-hmm. big, huge bit of bow to Oise and uh, all glories to the assembled devotees, as they say, Bhakta Porcel Kijai. That's my spiel to quote uh, the you don't know Mojack podcast. You don't know uh, Mojack Kijai. It's a good interview also. And it fits right in with the others. The one that you did, huh? You know, I enjoyed it, reading it. It was just like, I'm glad that I'm friends with Parmananda because it was just like two friends. He and I have had hours of conversation on my couch, in our cars, driving around, talking about hardcore and Krishna. (laughs) Yes. You can find two devotees in a car. You can find two Krishna core kids avoiding the bar. (laughs) Avoiding the Um, bar is good. But yeah, but we've had a lot of conversations and this, the, the written conversation in this book is like just two friends talking about uh, hardcore Krishna consciousness and the war on illusion zine. And uh, maybe by the time you first hear this, you can also order a shirt or a hoodie to go along with the book. And those look really, really great yeah, as look, well. Everything really about this release. I mean, when 20 summers past looked great and that came out with a bunch of shirts and like a bead bag and all kinds of crazy and stuff. And a zine. Yeah. Yeah. And this one also looks great. So End Hits Records has is doing a great job. And everything looks beautiful. And like I said, I'm super stoked that we're involved at all. So yeah, thank absolutely you. honored. Yeah. Oise um, is just one of the coolest people we've had the pleasure of meeting as a result of of this podcast. And just knowing, you know, being able to talk to him about this before it was announced uh, and see the level of, and this isn't to like, we knew something you didn't know, but I'm saying just to see the level of care and effort and planning that goes into these releases, like it's, it's inspiring. Like yeah, he, it is. he cares about what he does. He, he cares about how he represents the label and how he treats the bands. And um, I'll say point blank, even if you never heard this shelter record or you think you're not a fan, you're going to want this thing on your shelf to go with your other shelter you know, records because it looks fantastic. Yeah, looks that's sick. all I got. Um, also, this past weekend, I participated in the Rev Halloween Market. There was a few different vendors. You had people like Powerline, um, Indecision, War Records. Jordan was making pizzas. There's a DJ spinning. I'm hearing a lot about cool the pizzas. Stuff. Yeah, I the pizza, pizza was awesome, man. He brought some vegan cheese. Even though I gotta say, we've evolved past Dea 
cheese it's just get to follow your heart or i'll you know what maybe next time i'll contact him and i'll make some of my cashew cheese that he can put on these pizzas like a nice margarita you know just the dollops of cheese on there um but with pineapple oh god pineapple and jalapeno you're calling my name <laughs> listen if you ever have a chance we just to lost listeners <laughs> to one, i know uh, patreon sorry yes. for losing patrons you guys um if you get a chance to go to one of these rev parking lot events i really suggest you just stop by and everybody's got some good deals i brought a bunch of used shirts and tapes and stuff to sell and um it's a cool place to get there's like some rev uh jordan brought some stuff out of the vault and uh yeah it was a cool event so bid up bow to sammy and to powerline for the letting contraband and where it went be a part of this event as well thank you and i also on on on, on brand here uh today as we're recording this revelation announced uh, a partnership with uh, our friends at Essex Coffee Roasters. Mm, yeah. And you can order a uh, Revelation blend. Um, everything I've ever had from Essex is amazing um, to the point where I've gotten other beans since then and been really disappointed. Um, and we helped curate a little playlist, uh, sort of like a, you know, wake up and live theme to you know start your day with a cup of coffee and this playlist and that's on spotify it's linked through um revelation and by the time you hear this i'll make sure that it's linked in our uh instagram as well to check out and thanks that, again to uh, sammy do you think that discount code still works which code uh enter code where it went for essex coffee roasters to receive 10 percent off it does it did when i learned <laughs> oh, recently all right Nice. Yeah. Okay, nice. And you know, this, uh, the playlist that I we helped. I thought you meant a Rev discount code. I was about to sign off and go. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> like hand. Rev would ever give us a discount code. <laughs> um, no, but uh, also this, um, the playlist that we helped curate. I didn't put any hardcore on there. I, I really tried to make it like a little bit of a mellow well, you know, did you morning. look at the playlist? Yeah. Did you check it out today, though? I didn't. <laughs> it got slimmed down. We'll go ahead and let people know that are listening. This playlist was six hours long before they trimmed yeah. it. Oh, I only put like 20 songs on. I think so that's supposed to be a morning playlist. It was a, your whole day playlist. I think that yeah, Sammy we, we, probably we, went a little bit crazy on that. Uh, no, I went a little wild, too. There was, Of course you did. Yeah. Some stone. I think my scream track stayed on. Your screen so track good. did stay on, yeah. My Elliot pick stayed on. And I chose the sense field for Revelation. I put um, like rival schools. That stayed on. Jets to it Brazil. Oh, yeah, no. Jets to Brazil stayed I on. Tried to, I actually tried to make it like Rev adjacent. adjacent. I even yeah. put Project Kate on there. Didn't make it. Rev adjacent. Oh, boom. Uh-huh. My that, Walter, my Walter cut made it. Uh, the push the cover of Push Too Far. You know what didn't make it? What? Sloan. It didn't make it. I had a, I had a really good Sloan yeah, well, pick. It, to, to be Sunday honest with you, morning. I'm talking shit. Sloan came on random on uh, on my phone. I enjoyed it. Yeah. There you go, you Greg. Fuck, there you go. I said Let's it. Let's bit of our buddy Jeff Caudle. Yo, um, hear that too. Let me bit of bow. Oh, uh, well, there we go. That reminds me too. Um, we had Jeff and Melody on before. 
and a you know career woman, and she has a uh, a new song coming out the seventeenth. So if you follow on social, you can I guess pre-save. Um, and I'm told it's it's killer. And Jeff has a reissue of his uh, like two of his solo albums on vinyl, um, and you can get all the details. But we better get into the interview or people are going to say you're going to cut me off on my bit at Bose, Greg. What I the fuck? I wasn't looking, so I didn't. That was I didn't a hard cut. That hard. was a hard cut off on me. Yo, bit at Bose J Tree Records. They put out the first day of the nation LP, and it's awesome. And uh, J Tree's awesome. Someone needs to do a J Tree podcast. And if you want me to come on and talk about Cloak Dagger, I'd be more than happy to. <laughs> See, but that's, that's not my we've come. That's not my bit at bow. But I'm saying also I wanted to bit at bow the man, Balaram Shakti Das, stage dive yoga, uh, for the Mosh React video he did for Godhead HC. That shit was <laughs> sick. It was. Yes. There was there was a great uh Mosh React. I was honored to be a part of that. Before as well. we get into the interview, I did want to say, look how far Javier that Jason's come, where he invited to talk on a podcast. Never would have thought that would happen. He, he straight up didn't want to talk on this podcast. Yeah, it's true. We had to hold his feet to the fire. behind the curtain. You can tell in the you can tell in the early episodes, Zoe. I'm shook. You can uh, tell, Nelly. Nelly, nervous Nelly. All right, uh, should we get into this episode? Today, we have three very special guests, all first-timers on the pod. Um, we want to welcome Rob and Mark Hayworth and Andy Patterson. So that is the entire lineup of the band we're talking about today, State of the Nation. Uh, we're talking about the self-titled LP on Revelation, uh, Revelation number 44. So um, we're plowing through the 40s. Um, and I guess first we wanted to start first off. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much. Um, you know, these ones, yeah, thanks, for, thanks for having us and I appreciate it. And these ones are always a treat, these type of ones, because, you know, I love Gorilla Biscuits. I love Youth of Today. There's so much information on all these bands. State of the Nation, not much information online. Like this, you know, this is like, it's a very, you know, like sort of like we've talked about when we, you know, we've uncracked, uh, uncorked, uncracked, whatever the word would be. Uh, a lot of stuff about like Ice Burn. They're another one, you know, you can't find much info. And now there's all these episodes with Ice Burn and our, our friend Gentry, um, you know, talking and, and same thing with you guys. So we're thrilled to do this. Um, and I guess the first thing I want to start with is I personally, and, and Jason, we've talked about this too, is I'm always interested with sibling dynamic in a band because you know everybody i personally could not play in a band with either of my siblings <laughs> it's just not something that would 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 work out and and other people 
have a success, but you guys, you know, this isn't even the first band you guys played together. And, you know, I was showing Rob before out of the, the hard stance discography. Um, what was it like? Like, where, well, first off, who's the older brother? Mark. Mark. Okay. Yeah. So two and, like, two and a half years difference. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So that's like my, my kids are about that same. I have two boys too. So I always see it through both lenses of like, as me with my siblings. And then, you know, my kids are about three and a half years apart boys and uh so how did it come about that you guys played together were you playing together at home like both had yeah. instruments yeah i mean I, I for me like i start like my brother and i like you know started off and, and i think it's probably and i'll you know I'll throw it tim comiford um basically taught me how to play pretty vacant by the sex pistols when i was 10 right and then i think mark i don't know what i, I think did you did you and Tim like learn together? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, he got his first base a little before I did, and was like, seems like an amazing instrument. I should check it out and start picking it up. And sure enough, you know, I would say within not even six months, because I think I got that same P base that I have now in 1983. So, I mean, oh, that's that's, been, that's been the same bass since the since the very beginning. Yep. Other than you, re, you replaced the neck. I remember, like a carbon <laughs> yep. fiber. Yep, same bass. I still have the original neck sitting in the garage, but uh, yeah, nothing, didn't, it warp, uh, didn't it warp? Didn't it warp on the Gorilla Biscuits tour? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Like a, a lack of a, a good case. And so a couple of flights, you know, that that kind of probably tweaked the neck or lack of care. Yeah, and and I think with with Mark and I, is like you know, we we basically, I mean, I was, I think I was thirteen when we started playing together. I think like in a band, actual band together. Like we moved to northern, I moved to Northern California, and then my brother, um, I would say. Uh, unwillingly moved to Northern California um, to my dad's house. And we, uh, and we just started playing together um, in this guy, Des's garage. And we started playing at an early, early age um, and just kept playing together. And then, you know, we kind of went our separate ways with different things and different projects. And, you know, he, Mark was already on, on, I think he was on the road at birth, but I mean, I think it was like, you know, he was already on the road with instead and then he went over to, you know, Gorilla Biscuits. And then I, I think it just never ended inside out. And it just the, the party never ended on the road and still today, still on the road. But, it, you know, the, the dynamics are always like, you know, kind of what we thought we wanted to do together, you know, in terms of like, you know, what kind of style of music. And, and I'll be honest, like this is kind of interesting because um, I remember I actually I'd, I'd come home from touring uh, I, I well, uh, with rage, actually, I was just over in Europe with them and, and I came home and my brother goes, Hey, you should come out to Salt Lake city. And I go, okay. Like I really enjoyed it out there. And he's like, we can go to college and stuff and go to school. And, you know, we're kind of on our outskirts of thinking like, Oh, we're not going to do music and spend some more time on, on, you know, academic stuff. Well, that lasts about three months or something like that. And so it ended up, um, where, you know, my brother turns on this Jones very record um, at that time, he goes, check this album out. You know, I think is it was, what is it that, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the, 
the new life for lies is that is that the, i think the first like the, the album that I, like that that uh, that was on there and i just went holy shit this is this is what i want smart music incredible like you know just vocals that were just honest and just you know just raw as hell and just it blew me away and i'm like dude i want to do something i want to do something similar to that and i was already a bob mold fan and who's here doing stuff like that but it's like that was like what i wanted to do because there's just no frills or anything i just straight up just rocking guitar and just vocals were just like i said honest and just heartfelt and i was like and I mean, I, of course, I was familiar with Articles of Faith, but this kind of just put it on a whole nother level. And of course, Alloy after that was just like just phenomenal. So that that kind of boosted me into going, I want to do something like this. And, and at that time, I'd never sang really. I mean, I sang backups in Farside, but not that much. And and so I'm like, well, let's try to figure this out and 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 work together on some music. And and then uh, we knew Patterson. How do we know? How, well, we knew Patterson from forever so <laughs> it's like, i mean touring through town or whatever i think that's well i was i was the little kid i was <laughs> i was the i was a little kid looking up to you guys you know like i was a huge far side fan and you know gorilla biscuits and inside out and all that and uh and i i i think i met rob i think i met you when we went to see it was in new york and we went to see uh rage play at the limelight and you were out with you were out with Farside at the time and i was uh rodian or whatever with iceburn and that's right, that's right. because all those, those shows were uh for cmj yeah so all, right. all of us were in town at the same time you know and i think that's when i first met you and i'm i think the first time i met mark i think i met I think I think I met you when you when you moved here. I don't recall. I'm not sure if I met you before that, but I'm also <laughs> old and a stoner and <laughs> <don't>, <laughs> the, the, the final details. I don't get remember. Lost. I, I think there might have been an age gap when I came through there. Instead, I'm not sure. Did you come to Speedway show with uh, what's uh, I can't remember Insight played with Instead? I remember at the smaller Speedway, and then they came back and played with DOA on the other end on the bigger room. I'm sure I was. Yeah, I'm sure I was at the Instead show. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm we sure may have certain. we may have crossed paths then, but but you know, a couple of years later which probably seems like an eon you know in in teenage years and late 18 19 20 uh, is probably when we met i would think because i yeah. didn't end up moving there till late probably like fall of 92 yep and, yeah. and i had and i had gone and i wanted i because i didn't meet you because i i was like enclosed because uh insight asked me to play bass room because i played bass on their tour and i think it was 90 right. and i remember going there and they said uh you know i basically hadn't met them and they were at, they were gonna ask mark first but mark was on the road already and um and i ended up going like okay i'll come out and so i ended up it was like a 24-hour bus ride because we broke down in the middle outside of vegas and then i remember i think it was 
Jeremy or, or Jaime, like basically, you know, got, got me, uh, picked me up at the, the bus stop. And then I basically had to learn all the songs in like, I don't know, like three days. And then we went to, and then, and then basically I remember, uh, I remember Jaime goes, Hey, don't worry. And, 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 uh, Jeremy said, Hey, don't worry about it. If you get lost, just play open E. It's all good. <laughs> did, did, was Chuck Trees yep. playing with you at that point too? Cause no, was, Chuck, Chuck you... took over. So I, I, so the thing is with the far side seven inch, I had to come back home because we were flying out to New York to go record the, the seven inch. Um, and, I basically had to leave the tour. And so I left, I think it was in at the anthrax or something that was the last night. And, and uh, Chuck took over from there afterwards. Okay. Philly representing. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> was, that, was that the, was that the tour? Was that the tour with chain of strength? No. Oh, okay. Because they might've on the back end, they might've on the back end, but, but I, I left before that. So. Well, it's funny, like uh, that you you talk about one you know part of your origin story is that you were unwillingly moved to your father's house. Uh, same thing happened to me. I was unwillingly moved to my father's house, and uh, and because of that, I had to go to a different school. And because of that, that's when I met Cash, uh, Cash Tolman from for, for you guys, other guys, uh, Cash Tolman from Iceburn. Uh, he he and I he was in the first real band that I was ever in. And the search. reason I- Correct. Search. Yeah. Search. I, ah. I, I did, I did some- I did, did some homework. I, I, I found search, which is funny because there is a, a you know, search uh, on Revelation later on with our friend Tim. Yeah, I know. I sent, a, I sent him a sternly worded letter. <laughs> See if he's in the tips. <laughs> well, the, no, because the, the joke is, is that, uh, yeah, there's already a band called Search that we did one seven inch and never played outside of Salt Lake. So uh, clearly, you guys are out of your element. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did, but I did see that uh, it was on what Flatline, Flat Spot, Flatline, Flatline, flatline. Uh, owned yeah. by a, a man named uh, Brad Barker who was in a band <laughs> called Victims Willing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in fact, I have a. Uh, search hat that, that my mom my mom made for us she made five of them one for each of us and the only the only ones that exist now are the one that, the one that i'm holding and uh brad collins from raunch uh has the other one that's incredible yeah that's like the jay mascus mom with the deep wound sweater yeah <laughs> oh my mom my uh my mom loved uh, uh, Mark and Rod. Uh, <laughs> one of my one of my favorite stories ever to tell is when we did the Inside Out show here. My mom was there, and uh, and after the show, I was talking to her, and she's like, she's like, you know, Zach seemed like such a nice boy. Uh, why <laughs> why why is he so angry on stage? And I'm just like. Cause there's shit going on, mom. You need to open your eyes. <laughs> Look around. Turn on Hard, the turn. hardcore is serious business. <laughs> so that and you're talking about the the '93 shows, mm -hmm. the ice because we talked to Iceburn because uh, I think yeah. they were on they were on those. yeah that that tour with uh, Iceburn Alloy. Alloy. Yeah, yeah, because Alloy came up a lot because um, I think didn't they have Pete Hines drumming for them? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and they were Cash, like a, a Cash and I made Pete Hines cry on that tour because we were 
because we were just gushing so hard because both of us love uh Cro-Mag's best wishes like <laughs> our favorite record of all time and we just kept like gushing on him and he like i kind of made him missed up he was like he couldn't take it and uh at the very last show he sound checked with the intro to death camps oh man for for us that was for us and i I, I, forever appreciate that yes and then you cried it was the circle of life so that's right that, that those reunions is that around the time that um stay the nation formed because i do want to at least touch on the the debut yeah um you know since we unfortunately don't do a jade tree podcast i i, yeah. I would love to do that next but we probably won't finish this one until we're like 80 so. yes <laughs> <laughs> at the rate we're going <laughs> yeah. yeah that was that was i mean state of the nation was we were already a band i think that record was out by the time we did the reunion shows right not quite. I, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Mark. It says ninety four, but you never know. You know what? It wasn't. I know. I know that I it think, wasn't out when we did the tour with Rage, yeah. because that was uh, Mark and I were kind of chatting about it last night. Where uh, when we played with uh, uh, at the Roseland Ballroom, um, we were talking about that a little bit, and I was I was saying the only thing I remember about that show is that uh, Rabies uh, was was working security because i looked down and he was standing in between the uh the barrier and the stage i'm like holy shit that's rabies and uh and the and the other thing was stabbing westward had to open for us because they got added to the bill later and i just remember that being so funny because we didn't have a record out yet we were just like who the fuck are these guys you know this is some band they don't even have a record we got to open for them you know so so like um because how did you hook up with Jade Tree, which is kind of neat, I'm assuming, too, for you, Rob, because like that Jones very records on Jade Tree. And uh, I mean, they Jade Tree's done so many classic albums. But how did you we did, Jason, you reached out to uh, our, our friend Tim Owen. I did. Yeah. Um, and he just said, you know, what's up to you guys and said uh, how much he really likes the record. Um, no, that's, no, that's, that's, no, that's awesome. No, I, I think it was, I think it was, is more like we we're, I think we we're, we we're doing those reunion shows and Tim and Darren came out. Is that, is that to, to the, uh, the show with Rancid as a three piece. Okay. <laughs> opening. No, no, I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, Lars had just started with them. Lars had just started with them. Okay. So they were. So I think we started. Say the Nation started somewhere in, I think, summer of 93. We did several shows. I want to say maybe at the Hate House, which was a warehouse in you know, downtown Salt Lake. I can't remember what was the first show. Uh, maybe Andy might remember since he's a little younger. <laughs> I don't I don't remember the I don't remember the first show. I do remember playing at the Hate House Bar and Grill. Mm-hmm. Um but that we ended up talking. Bit. We ended up talking with uh, Clint from Seaweed when they came through on the Bad Religion Green Day tour, um, and that's how we kind of got the ball rolling to go record the first record. Obviously, the second one after that. Um, but this all happened before we did those reunion shows, and then <laughs> right after we were done with the the 
rage tour we did head out to uh tacoma to go record at clint's house after that so that was like probably november of 93 yeah that sounds all right i i, I won't contest that i can't because <laughs> the rage quicksand tour was definitely um from i guess that was october to, 93 yeah i was gonna say it was like fall 93 yep um what was that tour like i mean that's that's a killer lineup for sure you yeah, guys quicksand rage against the machine yeah, that was, that was absolutely, that was, I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, that was like, you know, when, when uh, it's, it's like at that time when, you know, rage was like, it was, it was, I think for me, at least watching them is, is it was probably the best time because it, you know, they weren't so like as huge as they, you know, became, you know, where they're filling 17,000 people or whatever, but which is great. Don't get me wrong, but I, I also enjoyed them in the 5,000 capacity, you know, where you really felt <laughs> the energy of, of the band and, and, and the work uh, that they were doing is just absolutely amazing. So I, I think, um, you know, this well, you is say, great. you say, uh, what could go wrong? Uh, actually that whole tour started out with what, what, what yeah. else can go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Our van broke down in Missouri Valley, Iowa right. for what four days? It was like three or four days, and that because they had to like it was a, literally a two a two light light stop yeah. uh, town, you know, and there was oh, there was nothing there. There was a little diner and a little movie theater, and that's it. Like you know, we were all just on this little street, uh, sleeping in the parking lot of the the auto, auto shop. play auto shop yeah and i remember because it was such a small town well they did have it they had a grocery store and so we went to the grocery store and mark being the staunch vegan uh <laughs> had very very few options of what to eat i remember you had a box of kashi uh <laughs> cereal and i think some orange i think some oranges and anyway <laughs> So, uh, so Mark, you didn't eat like almost the entire time. And then when we got to Detroit for the first show, uh, Mark's just like <laughs> vegan radar goes, he's like, find the co-op, find the, let's find the co-op. And we get to the co-op and he just loads on like vegan donuts and burritos and like all this kind of stuff. And then you puked your guts out when we were crossing the border because you hadn't eaten for like four days and then binged. On <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will so, never forget that. Yeah, so so it started out started out a little a, a little rocky, you know, a little sketchy. Yeah, but the <laughs> but shows the were great. Were, yeah, the shows were amazing. How did the yeah. crowds take to you guys? Because I mean, to me, like that bill makes so much sense. Like. Even though musically the bands don't sound alike, I just think like aesthetically, <clears throat> message-wise, it all kind of links together. Did you guys like people seemed into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had a great time, and and um, <laughs> I gotta and, say that I, I I sort of feel like people barely noticed that we were even playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's quicksand and rage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're just like, all right, you know, you know. It, you know don't bore us get to the chorus you know <laughs> but everyone was very kind and it was yeah. it was nice yeah yeah it was great we we had we had a fun time doing it and you know and, and 
and then had to come home early. So we did the 36 or 40 hour drive. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. Cause Brad I was, heard it back. I, I, I was popping uh no dos. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I did not, I drove, I think I drove, you drove like 16, the, you drove like 16 hours straight yeah. and, I, and I tried to stay up with you. But the hair on the back of my head was buzzing. Cause I, I know I'm drinking coffee and taking no dos and, uh, <laughs> that that was unsafe <laughs> yeah glad i'm glad i'm alive to tell the tale <laughs> i think i think i was in the same boat too i tried to drive that long <laughs> yeah we did it i remember drinking a lot of red bull i mean they probably didn't even have red bull probably wasn't yeah this is this is pre-red bull days pre -red yeah. bull. <laughs> straight up this is, this is straight up west coast turnarounds at the fucking gas station <laughs> trucker no dose <laughs> so you released the uh, first album on j tree then how did you end up linking with jordan to put out the second lp on revelation i i, I mean I, I for me at least i thought it was kind of, I, you know i thought it was a um a, a kind of uh natural sort of variance that we've you know we'd been i'd been on and my brother's been on i mean basically on on rev and we really liked working with jordan <laughs> And, um, and so we just said, Hey, let's, let's try to put it out with, uh, you know, with, with Jordan and put it out on rev. So, and we kind of, and at that time, I think we were starting to talk about, you know, doing more touring and, uh, you know, and doing a lot more touring, which we actually ended up doing. Um, and so we just really wanted that sort of distribution and, you know, getting that sort of, you know, getting our stuff out there and especially in the European markets too, as well. I mean, getting that sort of stuff out there. So I saw you did the tour was can you tell me what tours that you did? Because I saw there was a European tour with Lifetime. Yeah, yeah. So that so it first started off with, I mean, it was great. This is like four walls falling, oh. Sensefield, Sensefield, uh, Lifetime, and us. Oh. And um Yeah, and so it was it was kind of set up in two two sort of shifts of a tour, right? So four walls falling and Sensefield were touring together, and then us and lifetime joined that tour for like a week or okay or maybe longer or so and what year so was all this? four bands 95 okay so hello 90, bastard 94 95 i can't remember yeah i can't remember it's one of those yep <laughs> <laughs> i would have loved to seen that tour but i'm from richmond yeah. so four walls falling to me is holds a special <laughs> place in my heart for sure so. oh they, they were <laughs> <laughs> they were on it so it was really interesting to watch uh you know because at that time i mean you're still you know you know the the wall had just gone down you know three or four years before you know in terms of the east west block and so you just had like you know all our road crew and, and tour manager was from the czech republic and so there was a lot of so but the thing is like the tour was great but it's like you know you had some people that were just about to finish uh, I think probably a 47 to 50 date tour and us newbies coming on doing our first leg of it. You know what I mean? And so you had people that were kind of losing their marbles at, at the time and, and uh, ready to go home. And cause I remember there, there was definitely um, some crazy uh, animosity. I think, I think one of the four walls falling um, uh, roadies guys just got, he was, they, they had to send him home, I think. Oh, wow. um, and so there was some other things going on too, but you could just tell, like, I mean, it's just like, and we knew the Sensefield guys. I mean, I, I, I've known those guys or we've known those guys. I, I've known John Bunch since 
uh, putting in demo tapes for hard stance at Zed records. I mean, from the, from the early you know, mid eighties. And, um, and so it was real. I mean, it was just like, you know, was, you could tell there's some tense sort of situation, but it was fun because Sensefield were such, you know, veterans. I mean, in terms of like the, you know, so they're like, yep, crazy time. Let's go, <laughs> let's go have some fun. And so we had a good time hanging out with them. And, and, uh, well, that, that tour kind of started a little bit like the, the rage us tour, uh, where we had, what was it? Three, three or four vans. And, and then, uh, and like two or three of them broke down at the yeah. same time. So we had to consolidate down to one van and yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, you know, that, that created some tension as well. I mean, because we're in like a, I don't know if it was a sprinter. I don't think it was a sprinter. I think it was, you know, like a, a, you know, a, a passenger van, like a 12, 15 or whatever. But anyway, I remember I was laying on the floor in between the front seat and the, and the bench behind it with the drivetrain, like going under my back and you, and whoever was sitting on the, on the bench, like had to kind of put their feet up on a little thing so they wouldn't be stepping on me. And <laughs> so it, it, it and, and so and we had, we left the drums behind. And so we were like, you know, borrowing drums from, you know, like when we played the, a few shows with refused, like we used, you know, their yep. equipment. And uh, so, I mean, but that, you know, it added to the, the mis the mystique and <laughs> how was Europe at that time politically? Because from my experience, whenever I've been there, it seems so much more politically active than the U.S. It, so it was it was pretty it was pretty yeah. active. I, I do remember uh, you know sort of joking a bit that uh, we had two types of shows that we that we did when we were just with Lifetime <clears throat> and. We did really well at the squats and they did really well at the Jungencentrens, yeah, the youth, the youth centers, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> depends on the, the, the venue, uh, would, yeah. would be, you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, the first, I think the first show we, we played was Prague with Fugazi. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. and, and, uh, but the first show we played on that, uh, Anyway, we, we went, there was a squat and there's a huge free mumia uh, yeah. banner hanging out the, out the window, you know? So it's like, those were, those were our people, you know? Yeah. So, no, it, yeah, it was, it was great. Cause I mean, you, I mean, you just, you'd have like squats that were just, I mean, some of them, we had like seven course vegetarian vegan meals, like, you know, with stuffed, you know, uh, um, red peppers with like, you know, with like brown rice. I mean, it's just like amazing. So, you know, and, and, and it was really interesting too, cause you had, um, you know, you, we played this one show. I remember, I, I want to say, well, we played a lot in Germany and at that time, I mean, you had like some of the things called chaos days in Hanover and like other places that just were, you know, things just were bumping off. Like, you know, cops are just like, okay, whatever, I'm not doing anything, but you also had like people kind of, you know, shifting in terms of, you know, going from, you know, sort of authoritarian communism to, you know, uh, shitty capitalism. And they're like going, well, what are we doing? You know? So, and so I think there's, there were some really interesting conversations. I had a, a lot of great times. I mean, we played, um, in, uh, was it, was it, uh, Croatia, wasn't it, Mark? We played in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Yeah. And I, I was interviewed by, um, this, this, uh, young man, 
who basically uh, he was he went AWOL during the Bosnian situation and bail and left left the country. And what he was doing was basically interviewing bands and people that were politically active and those sort of things. And then making this zine and bringing it back over there. And I don't know if you know the situation with Bosnia. I mean, that, that was, I mean, he, he was going to get murdered. He was going to get killed. And, oh, wow. you know, and not only him, but his family too. And just like, basically like he was doing this stuff because he, like they wanted to have something to tie themselves to like music, to culture and those sorts of things. So, and so I ended up talking to him for a while, but I'm like, dude, you shouldn't interview me. I should be talking to you. You know, like, yeah, like, the, like your life is just like so much more fulfilled than, and, 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 and meaningful in, in terms of the struggle and fight you're doing is like absolutely uh, fantastic. But it's like, it was, it was pretty, pretty heavy, you know? And so, but a lot of the squats, yeah. like, you know, I mean, you just had some really interesting, for me, it was a real eye opener to how people, you know, can live differently. And I, I really enjoyed that. And, and, um, and, you know, Mark had already played and toured with Gorilla Biscuits over in 89. So he was, it was at 89, I think it was, and in terms of touring in Europe. So he was already familiar with, you know, a lot of the, you know, sort of what was going on there right before the, or right when the wall went down. In fact, I think there's a picture we have of Siv and Walter and Mark at the wall, right? You guys with like, you know, looking at the wall. And I think you guys, didn't you guys write GB on the wall? Yeah, there's some graffiti somewhere <laughs> along there um yeah but we got to go over prior to when the wall was coming down into east berlin and walk around and then come back two months later and you know you've got tens of thousands of people over by uh, the brandenburg gate there mm. i i did find by the way the uh, fugazi show because i'm i'm a huge fugazi fan well Jason is as well. Um, and they do that digital live archive. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was in, uh, it was in uh, June 29th, 1995 at the Roxy. Yeah. Um, yep. 1200 in attendance, played with Lifetime, Stay the Nation. Uh, so you can actually get that through the Fugazi site if you want to. Oh, nice. oh, unfortunately, nice. unfortunately you, I it would be awesome if all the sets are recorded, but the Fugazi set is up there. Um, nice. Cool. Yeah, I got a so, bunch of pictures from that uh somewhere there too and and a bunch of pictures of the squats we played at and just like uh and some of the people we got to hang out with so i mean it was a great experience awesome experience you know and, and you know i think right after that didn't we come home and then we went straight to uh was that when we went on stanford prison experiment tour i can't remember <clears throat> i don't remember uh, if we did that prior to europe or after do you remember andy I don't remember. <laughs> Funny enough, I saw them open for Fugazi before. <clears throat> I can uh, tell you all the dumb little details that are meaningless. <laughs> any sort of facts or numbers, like, yeah, I don't know any of that shit. <laughs> so we always tell people, like, we, we get that it's a long time ago. Like, we don't, you know, we're not all expected to remember everything. It's crazy. Some people we talk to have a real, like, razor sharp, <clears throat> detailed memory but yeah, um, I'm, I'm jealous of those kind of people it's sometimes tough with dates because like like mark said earlier in in your younger years six months you know can seem like five years you know so in between like if you think about it in like these little like in the space of like what less than two years you guys recorded two albums did a bunch of touring um i wanted to talk about the the music yeah 
Um, you know, I, I have a, a big affinity for trios because um, I'm not musically strong. I've, I've, so I could never be like the guy playing the, like the only guitar player, the only, you know, whatever. And, you know, a lot of my favorite bands, we talked before we recorded with uh, Rob about, we both love Bob Mould and Who's Purdue and Sugar and, and, you know, he does all this stuff, you know, mostly as a trio and thinking about like Dinosaur Jr. and Nirvana, just so many bands I love that are trios. Um, what was the writing process like for you guys? Did you just get into a room? Were you that kind of band that got in a room and jammed or like Rob, did you write? like skeletal versions of songs and bring them in and everyone added their own, uh, you know, flavor. Part of it, I, th I think for me, at least, you know, cause I, I want it, I, at least we wanted it to be, Mark and I were talking about, I was like, um, as a trio, I was like, Hey, let, let's do a less sort of more bass driven aspect of it. And I was like, really kind of, and, you know, cause Mark's a great bass player. I mean, he's actually absolutely incredible. you know, and so I was like, let's piece that together and use some overlays on that. And so I think there was a few songs that Mark would come, come in, especially like, I think, uh, I think uh, the first song actually on the Rev album, I think uh, I want to say, Mark, you did the first, the, the, the verses and stuff like that. And then um, I want to say I did maybe the chorus. I can't remember. I can't remember on that. So, but I, but I think it was, it was kind of a, uh, for the most part, like Mark would come with some baseline stuff too. And, but, you know, for me, I'd come up with some guitar riffs, like let's say on replace, I just, I wrote that whole song, but you know, you have again, that sort of driving bass sound uh, and just rock, you know, it's a rock song. Like, I mean, it's a really good, like, you know, great lock rock song with some, you know, a great yeah. hook of, of that. And that song for me is like, you know, I, I think I was starting to, especially with the rev one is really starting to, uh, put myself together in terms of lyrics and stuff again you know it's like I was still new at this thing and, and so I really wanted to kind of piece some things here so I was again influenced by some of the Vic Bondi stuff and you know kind of using that political drive but but he was more nuanced with it I think I mean yeah he's straight ahead with some things but he has some really kind of interesting historical nuances that he brings together and so I wanted to kind of bring that to the table um like for example, replace is based upon the book um, "The Jungle," like uh, by Upton Sinclair, Upton Sinclair yeah. um, and it's really about Yurgis's life. I mean, a lot of people go, "I like, go, oh, it's about the meatpacking industry," and the the reality is, it, it's actually really about this guy's transformation, about understanding his being a cog in this crazy wheel uh, of you know hypercapitalism at the time, industrialism um, at the time, and, and really kind of coming into his own and figuring this sort of stuff out. So. Um, so that was the kind of thing that I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to do that. I want to piece that together. And, and, and again, the music, I mean, we're, you know, again, trying to understand, like, again, moving on from far side for me, I was like, I want to have a more dark kind of a, you know, a little bit off just raw, just like, okay, let's just play, you know, and just, and um, you know, I think about too, like the last song on the album um, I think about like, uh, Bob Mould, or excuse me, who's produced Diane, you know, that's kind of, I ripped that, you know, kind of that, that thing, but it's a funny thing. Cause uh, you know, if you hear the baseline on that last, you, if you're, a, if you play bass regular, you, you know, just like a right-handed bass, you know, my brother plays it left-handed with the string. Yeah. I wanted to down. talk about that uh, actually. Yeah. You, you can't, I don't think you can play it <laughs> or, it's very, or it's very difficult. <laughs> right. Cause that, that's one thing that, that always interests me is I'd see videos of, of Mark playing, uh, you know, Mark of you in, in various 
bands, whether it's Inside Out, GB videos, State of the Nation video that we found. Um, did you like? Did you play? I know you're left-handed, obviously, but was it the type of thing where you were like, "Well, I'm not going to restring it. I'm just going to flip it around," and you learned upside down, and then that's just how you kept doing it. Yeah, I probably picked up friends' bases when I was younger, and I started learning that way. And from there, I'm like, well, I kind of know how to, you know, loosely started to play these things, and why change it? I'm just going to get a right-handed bass, and let's keep going with it. I even I remember having the one lesson, uh, and the guy told me you should just get a left-handed bass, or you should try to learn right-handed. And I was like, yeah, I'm done with that. <laughs> so, I always thought, I always thought that, that was one of the smartest things ever uh, that you did, because just for for the exact reason of like being on tour, you break a string. You, you, yeah, I can go. No grab one's gonna else. have a. Yeah, no one's gonna have a left-handed base, you know. So yeah, it's yeah. just I, I, I've always thought that was so smart. But it gives even if unique, it was by accident, like you said, it gives a unique sound. And Jason and I talked before, and we were saying how the bass on both of these records is killer, yeah. and it really is yeah. very groove, you know, groove um, driven. And I do wonder. I'm not a bass player, but it does. Neither sound am I. <laughs> that's not true not according to what not according to what i hear on, on all these records that you've been on you know going back even to the, to the hard stance but um it's cool you're all you're all just really locked in on it um musically um you decided again when you did this rev album to record with clint mm -hmm. you know i guess i'm assuming you had a nice experience with him i love seaweed so that that was all also cool to see that he um he did this record and then uh i think it was nice just to get it out of the box of say where the rest of the groups were recording in southern california obviously we didn't live there at the time but uh you know salt lake was there really a place to record at the time andy yeah there was and it was problematic yeah. for sure yeah <laughs> yeah yeah in, in fact as a as a side note uh, yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the process of remixing uh, Iceburns have faced this record that was nice was I think it was 92 that they recorded mm -hmm. it and they recorded yep. it with this guy and uh, and it was on eight ats like yeah it was mm -hmm. like he was like cutting edge because he was the first guy that had an eight at machine like oh no, crazy it's digital it's nuts you know and uh, so I'm in the middle of uh, remixing that uh, mess that was on the on ADATS. Oh, I didn't I can... know you were the one remixed because we talked about that on that because that's a such a good record too. It, I'm excited it is. To hear. Well, I'm I'm super excited about it because even before I was uh, before I started recording, I've always hated the bass tone on that record <clears throat> because it was literally cash played an Ibanez sound gear bass, which is already off to a bad start. <laughs> and then plug, okay. plug directly into the, uh, the mixing board, like oh. no amp, no nothing. However, the really great thing about that fuck up is that 25 years later or whatever, I reamped it through Cash's current rig and it sounds fucking amazing. Like, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll take the little victories, you know? Yeah, I think I think uh, when we talked to Greg Anderson, he might have also talked about that uh, 
being remixed. I'm, I'm assuming, hoping it's going to be pressed to vinyl with uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Southern, Southern Lord and, and Rev. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the, I know Southern Lord is, Greg's putting it out. In fact, I, I, I know that because he called me and said, if there's anything you can do about the snare drum, please. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm in the, I'm in the process of trying to fix a, a snare drum in a stereo drum track, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm not sure what the, if, uh, Jordan is part of the, is it might make be maybe like it. the, the box set, the engine, but I know this, I know that Southern Lord the... is they're re-releasing all of Iceburn's back catalog. So we're, we're starting with Hephaestus and then we've got, uh, Poetry of Fire coming up and Fire remaster uh, that was on Victory yeah. um, and, and all that. So, And if people want to hear more about Iceburn, we have a bunch of episodes. That's right. You can go listen to uh, where you're listening to this. We have we talked to Gentry, who is a goddamn musical wizard um, and a, just a swell guy. We talked to him a bunch of times and we'll talk to him again for Meditative Illusions. But Back to state of the nation. Sorry, um, <laughs> we always di- we digress always. But um, well, those those there was there was a connection there from the very beginning. That's when when I met when I met these guys uh, when they moved to to Salt Lake, they were living just down the street. Actually, no, you moved into the Iceburn house. Well, Mark, first, it was, first it was Jamie. Jamie's and I were all roommates. Uh, yeah, because I used because I lived I lived there right before that i think uh like in early 90s 91 92 i i lived in the little corner room upstairs i lived there too yep. 75 yep. bucks a month that's right <laughs> did, mark did you live there also yeah so when i moved out in 92 uh jamie the guitar player and iceburn and i got an apartment uh literally like five doors down and across the street from the iceburn house yeah. and so we lived there for a year or so and uh the front room i remember opened up at the iceburn house and jamie was gonna go uh move somewhere else i guess and i ended up moving into the iceburn house which you know i'm still trying to figure out how we got our gear down into the basement to go practice because oh, there was an eight a nine by ten that was involved in getting up the makeshift stairs that were on there. A ladder is really what it was. <laughs> stairs is drum being... <laughs> Yeah, the operative word. Yeah. So, but you know, we we somehow managed to between both groups rehearse in this tiny like it was a dugout. It was not a finished basement. It looked like something out of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I I clean. <laughs> I helped clean out that basement when I moved in and we filled Thank up you. two, we filled up two uh, of those huge uh, garbage containers, like the, wow. the ones that you rent. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. And uh, I mean, it was literally, uh, so the guy that owns the place owns a bunch of houses right around there. And he's like, he's been on the news like for years, like he's a super hoarder and yeah. like, you know, we would, we would wake up and to go to work and walk out and there'd be like a box of moldy bread that he got out of the dumpster at the grocery store and gave to us as a gift. You know? <laughs> and I mean, there was literally like the kitchen sink and like old bicycle parts. And like, it was a fucking shit show. 
and uh yeah but we we cleared it all out and made just enough space for a drum kit and you know and a couple other items and we're able to practice down there we talked about um how like we've mentioned a bunch of times during this this whole era of you know post-punk post-hardcore hardcore whatever you want to call it emo um but especially even in the in the rev catalog super exciting and interesting um you know because you had state of the nation which doesn't sound like sense feel which don't sound like far side or ice burn or engine kid and there's just all these people that you know started off in fairly like you know traditional amazing hardcore bands ended up really kind of musically spreading their wings and doing some awesome stuff that i think needs more uh as Jason, my friend Jason calls it shine. You know, I think a lot of these bands, state of the nation included, need um, a little bit more uh, respect for what was what you were doing at that time because it was different. Um, and, yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, and it, that that was all of us. I mean, I mean, including Walter too. I mean, he was expanding his his sort of work in terms of music, and I mean, we're we're all just kind of. <clears throat> I remember recording the far side seven inches, just like, man, this is like, this is great. Like you guys are like moving different directions. And like, I mean, and that's, and I think part of that was just like, it's, it was given a sort of like a, it's like him and other folks just it kind of gave us a sort of license to just go like, let's try this out. And that, that was like with far side, I was like, let's just try something. I wanted to do something different. Um, and I think people were just like, you know, at first going, wow, what are you guys doing? I'm like, well, I really like bad religion, but I also like, you know, who's do. And I also like Bob Mould's solo stuff. And I mean, just all sorts of things. And, you know, at that time I was 17, right. I was like 16, 17, you know, with, when you were writing the Rochambeau and stuff. Yeah. 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 Wow. Cause, so, cause I mean, I don't want to turn, cause we, we, uh, I would love to talk to you about Rochambeau, um, which our missing host Javier that's he's gone on record. That's his favorite far side record. Oh, it's um, just right <laughs> funny because he doesn't he doesn't care for Bob Mould at all. <laughs> but I hear a lot of like I was actually talking to uh, a friend today. I had coffee with this morning. Uh, bit Check of out REM's records too. Oh, are you... <laughs> wait, what's that? You said check out REM's records also, Greg. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Greg. Well, I, I know what he was. I know what he was listening to at the time. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, uh, you're you're an REM fan, Rob. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Greg is Good. Greg prides himself on being a REM uh, super fan. Yeah. So that's why I thought um, it was funny you said that. So before. yeah, that's why I was like at first I was like, wait, is did Jason message on the side to bring up <laughs> REM as a joke? I managed it, but but yeah, I hear we. I was talking to uh, Matthew Berliant, who's a, a patron of ours and a f- dear friend of mine, and I was saying, yeah, the Rochambeau record. I hear a lot of like workbook, like the Bob Mould workbook, but filtered through. Like, like you said, like a little bit more of the aggressive stuff, but there's a lot of the, the layers. So I'm amazed that you were that young writing that stuff. So kudos. Yeah, to I, I, I was still, I think it was, it came out in 90, I think it was or 17, 16, 17. Yeah. When I, when I, when I did that. So, I mean, and, and that's the, the era, like, I felt like, you know, again, we were just trying to do some interesting stuff and, and, you know, I think with, with, uh, with state of the nation, we were just like trying to push some different boundaries. Like we weren't playing, you know, you know, thrash or hardcore or whatever. And it just like, for us, we wanted to, and at that time we were watching, I mean, for me, at least I was watching, 
you know, I saw Sunny Day Real Estate and I was like, holy shit, like these guys are just on a whole nother level. And, 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 uh, and, and again, watching Alloy, you know, playing and, and listening to their albums and, you know, and listening to Bob Mullen, I was like, hey, this is like really interesting to me. And, and I've tried to like, you know, over time, like, you know, you know, not get off subject, but, you know, even after State of the Nation with Ben Ludlow, like I tried to kind of move in a direction of like, and, and we don't have anything out yet, but hopefully Patterson will work on some stuff. But, you know, we're, yep. we're trying to, um, you know, I was trying to piece together some ideas about um, kind of super chunk at that time, but I also had some, you know, kind of interesting songwriting stuff surrounding that. And then, you know, the, the last stuff was second letter. I mean, I kind of pushed sort of even more, I started playing piano and started working out some ideas. Yeah, And, I, and I that really was, and that was more like an Afghan wigs. Like, you know, for me, I was really interested in the Afghan wigs records that more recently came out. Um, and, uh, and just, that's kind of like, I wanted to see some trajectory in terms of like the work that I was doing. And, and again, say the nation was like, Hey, we, you know, we did a lot in a little time. And, you know, again, it was like, you know, this, it, I mean, it was massive. It was like hustle. Like we were constantly, and, you know, I mean, Mark had, Mark had us touring, like, you know, he was, he was ready to start doing tour like 24 <laughs> seven, I mean, but it was great. I mean, he's like, you know, I remember going like, Hey, we're going to, I'm going to finish this semester and. My brother call up, hey, we're doing, you know, this tour, um, get withdrawals from your from your classes. So I have W's on my <laughs> So it was just like, you know, we just constantly well, we were just like working. You mentioned like the the touring and everything, and that's one of the things in, in our in our research for you know talking to you guys. And I I feel, I mean, maybe you guys will feel differently, but I feel like one of the best when we talk to people that were familiar with the band, the thing we'd always hear is records are great. You had to see them live because the live show was really where it went off. And to me, like as someone who's been in bands, like that's what you want to hear. Really. You don't want to hear like, Oh, the records are great and yeah. they suck live. <laughs> so like, that was what everybody would kind of say is like, yeah, well, you know, maybe if someone just hears the records by themselves now, They'll think it's cool, but they're not going to get the full picture of how tight they were as a live band, which is attributed to, I'm sure, all that touring, you know, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, we were talking earlier about uh, doing a tour, like a full tour, and then immediately recording. And as a recording engineer, I've 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 tried to give that advice to to as many bands that I that I possibly can. Like that is just the greatest way to make a record is to just uh woodshed it on the road and then immediately go into the studio when you're just you're firing on all cylinders and you're just like you've been playing every single night and and so there's no like oh how does the chorus go you know or anything like that so yeah uh, funny another another funny side story you uh robbie that you mentioned earlier uh when you said that you know we were trying to, to sound like do something different like not hardcore i remember i remember one of the first practices we had mark you looked down at my uh my double kick pedal and said yeah you won't be needing that <laughs> i'm bummed i said that no i'm 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 super glad you said that you you saved me <laughs> you saved me countless times of of, of of me just being like, no, I just don't do that. So be... <laughs> that's going to stop. What <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Damn, the player coach was an absolute hard ass. Oh, oh you're. <laughs> we, we'd call my brother player coach because he was just like, he was already, I mean, he's the veteran, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I mean, he'd run, he'd run the show. I mean, and, uh, and basically like, you know, you get back to sibling things. I remember yelling at Mark uh, on the road and I was just so pissed because this guy has <laughs> the antenna. I mean, this is before you have any apps or anything like that. So Mark had basically could find any co-op and vegan restaurant, whether you're in the deep South, like we ate at, I think at one of the times we ate at some place that was like a, a, a like a Christian vegan spot that like were, but we're second amendment, you know, like sort of like gun seventh gun. day Adventist, right? Yeah. They might've been. Yeah. We talked to into another and they mentioned the same thing that they'd go to these like Seventh Day Adventist restaurants. Oh, it was wild. So, so, but anyway, so Mark sometimes would get up, crack a dawn, and take off in the van and come back and have the full spread going on. I'm like, fuck, I want to eat now. And so I think I pissed <laughs> off and frustrated with him. And so I was like, I think Patterson is on the side smoking a cigarette, and I'm just like yelling at my brother, God damn it, fucking like, yeah, I want to eat too, you mother, like just going off on him, and. My brother's just a stoic, like just, it, it just, it's like a Vulcan. Like, it's just like, you're yelling at him and there's no sort of response to it. And he's just like yelling at, you know, I'm yelling at him in his face. He's like, fuck you, da, da, da. And he goes, and after that, he goes, are you done? And I just put my head down. I said, <laughs> That's the yeah, best like, way to win an argument. Get, get in the van. Yes. Get, in the, get in the van. <laughs> so I, I, as a goof, I, um, I, I, I briefly considered being like an hour late to this podcast just so just so I could relive Mark calling me to wake my ass up because <laughs> I was a common occurrence Patterson wake up it's time for practice <laughs> yeah, I think I sent that on a text to you earlier yeah I know <laughs> I didn't. I didn't answer that text because I was briefly considering just <laughs> acting like I was asleep. Still, <laughs> nice. You've been punked. Yeah. <laughs> tour tour manager in training. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to ask if these if these were tools that helped you with uh, tour managing bands in the future, and what are some of the bands you worked with? Because Tim Owen, that's one thing he said is that he knew that you worked with some larger bands and they cited rancid. And then I did some internet research and saw backstreet boys also. Oh man. I don't really want to dive into that okay, part. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, we could, we could, we could dive into like, I'll, you know, sunny day real estate. I ended up TMing sick of it all at one point, long time ago. Um, so yeah, beans. that's what I, that's. Uh, yeah. So I, I do this for a living now. Nice. But I kind of, I keep that separate from this. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Sure. Yeah. Cool. So I'll go back to a question about the artwork then for the record. I reached out to Jason Farrell and asked him if he had any memories of working on this. And he said that it was pretty much your idea, Rob, to use the Pathfinder mural for the cover. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the first thing I think was like the first album Jason did as well. And I think we just basically... Um, for this one, I was like, hey, let's just put together this, you know, kind of just really interesting mural that kind of gives sort of a world perspective about um, some of the politics I was engaging with. It wasn't, you know, the end all for it. But um, in fact, you know, side note was really interesting is we actually did a, um, 
a benefit show for um, basically to stop the embargo with Cuba, I remember. And yet all the, in, in Salt Lake, we actually had right-wing Cubans protesting our show out, out front saying, you know, shut this stuff down. This is just blah, blah, blah. But anyways, it's really interesting. So Pathfinder said, Hey, you know, like, I was like, Hey, can we use your, that image? Cause I'm like, yeah. And they said, yeah, for sure. That'd be great. And so, and then I talked to, um, uh, this woman, um, <clears throat> Sheree, who did some, uh, or Sherry, excuse me, that did uh, some more uh, pieces as well for the inserts and stuff like that, and some of the back cover and stuff. So I, I ended up um, asking her to do some of that, and ended up being a shirt too as well. And so, because um, I remember um, I did this, we did, because we used to do these like kind of, you know, on the albums we do that, but it's kind of these intervals of music and stuff like that. And we do that live too, where and I remember, I think I, I went out on stage with like a, a, a American flag, like wrapped around my head, my face and like tied as like kind of a noose. And I did this whole piece like uh, about um, basically a lot of indigenous sort of rights, but also um, really talking. I remember talking to this guy um, who because uh, I worked at the uh, Indian walk in center in Salt Lake City and I've talked to this guy. Um, who was a Vietnam vet and uh, indigenous person. And we we're, we we're chatting about stuff. And I kind of pieced that together with this, this sort of discussion about how he felt about America and its, and its perspectives towards him as not only indigenous person, but uh, a vet coming home. So it was like a, a really kind of interesting piece and people got kind of tripped out and bummed out on it. But I liked doing some, I liked some of those pieces that we were doing because it, it gave us a sense of like, Hey, we're going in some different directions, but we're also kind of like, we're not here to just entertain you. We're here to kind of put some stuff out there, some conversations out there. So yeah, that leads me to ask before we, um, Greg Bennick, uh, he does the, he, he did the, the, the title. Well, the, yeah, I guess we can call it the title track, the song state of the nation on the album state of the nation by the band state of the nation. Um, how did that come about? How did you end up choosing Greg? I mean, obviously he's known for being, like a you know very spoke outspoken person as well yeah i mean he you know he's basically he came he showed up for 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 the inside out reunion shows basically showed up on the front doorstep <laughs> he, bought a, huh? he bought a motor he bought a motorcycle yeah, that's right, in that's seattle right. and he drove the motorcycle all the way to salt lake and then just left it there and went on and went on tour with us and so uh, it was the 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 inside out alloy iceburn. So in between uh, iceburn or alloy, whoever whoever played bef uh, before inside out, uh, Greg would go up and do uh, his job. Back then was he was a busker. He was a, a juggler, a street juggler, you know. And uh, that's how he that's how he made a living. And so he went on tour with us and did like juggling tricks. <laughs> yeah, uh, in, in between fire sets. Eating. and fire eating yep, yep. the tongue <laughs> wow. the tongue transfer <laughs> tongue transfer is where he takes he takes one one uh stick unlit and the other stick is lit he rubs the uh the unlit one on his tongue and he touches his tongue with the fire <laughs> lights his tongue on fire and then lights the other one with the with the thing yeah <laughs> We were really working on the Jim Rose thing. Going <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's like very long. Yeah, There's the shotgun theory. We're, we're just trying to all markets. <laughs> we got we to get that. We got to get that big juggling market, you know, <laughs> untapped. 
I also wanted to ask about the videos that were made for replacing commercial and what your memories are from, from uh, making those for Rev. Yeah. So um, this guy, Jim Rex, uh, we decided like, I think it was a show we were playing actually in California. And I just said, Hey, let's, let's try to piece together, you know, replace and try to put together a, 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 a video with a lot of activists we were working at the time, um, anywhere from people with Earth First to we were working with the Western Shoshone Defense Project, uh, which are native folks in, in uh, northern Nevada for land right issues and a lot of these other things. And so we, you know, so he was working out there and said, hey, and he did a lot of video production. So we're like, hey, let's piece this together and make this happen. Right. So and so we we ended up doing just a few things uh, with him in the live show that he basically put a few things in there and then was really kind of pushing some of the, the activism stuff that we were working with at the time. And then, um, and then a commercial, I don't know if you got, just got a hold of that one, but um, okay. Yeah. So Adbusters, which, you know, you guys are probably familiar with the Occupy, you know, a lot of, a lot of those folks were involved with um, Adbusters at the time. And, and basically that was, they started doing these really interesting commercials. Um, and what, what you would do is you'd, buy some time in late night t television, right? For at that time, like CNN or wh whatever you're trying to do. And you basically, you try to put their commercials in there <laughs> to kind of counter like what was going on in the media. And so we said, hey, let's try to use some of this, some of their work and, and, and put it together for our, own, um, for our own videos. Cause I think that would fit nicely with that. Um, and so that all those sort of things, uh, we, we were able to use some of their work from from Adbusters, um, and and really kind of tap into that. So I thought that was really cool. And I, I you know, again, I wish people, a lot of people come back and go, oh, that was so cool that you were doing that at the time. Like, I mean, we didn't have a, again, we didn't have the the computers and the sort of editing equipment we have now. And it's just like back then, you're just cutting stuff together. You're just like, hey you know, I'm, I want to work with this activist person, but, you know, do they have access to this stuff? And, hey, we only have two hours to work on this editing bay to put a piece this whole thing together. And so that was like, that was our work, you know? And so you're just kind of like, you're just kind of throwing a lot of things together um, to make it happen. But I think there were some really kind of interesting things, especially that replace uh, video. And, and um, it really helped out with kind of pushing some of our ideas forward with, with the music. So who was in the footage at the end of the video? It was someone being arrested and. Oh, oh that, I think that was food, not bombs. Uh, that was a, some food, not bombs video uh, uh, footage in San Francisco when uh, they're serving. I think they're, I, I want to say they're serving free food and getting, you know, basically the cops, uh, you know, basically arresting, you know, that person. And he was doing some performance art piece there too, as well. And, and, uh, and they arrest him. I, I want to say that's, that's what I recollect. I, I was trying okay. to remember who, who piece out there. There's so many people involved with like, you know, in terms of sending in footage or getting footage. And so we'd get like, you know, just VHS tapes. I mean, that's what's funny. It's like, like now I have all these VHS tapes, with all this stuff on it and I don't have a VHS player. So I send it to Sonny. Right. <laughs> and he goes, Oh my God, there's this thing on here. Like this inside out uh, video or whatever live show. You don't have, no one's ever seen it. And then it gets cut out by like Wizard of Oz or something like that. Does your mom like record like something on there? <laughs> so yeah, so that was that that was a sort of piece. So yeah, so a lot of those those um, those things we just really kind of were working with a lot of different people to to really piece all this stuff together. And I, I think it was helpful, you know, in terms of like really getting the word out and, and, and doing something different, you know. I mean, in terms of like we're you know in terms of our political uh, views and stuff. So what um, 
you put out this record. Uh, you did the tour in Europe. What uh, what was the last? Do you remember what the last show you played was? Ooh. And when it was? Didn't we play in Orange County in '95? I, I think it was with, maybe it might have been with Farside, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Was that the at the Ice House? That might have been. Mm-hmm. It was some kind of brick backdrop yeah, inside. I feel like it was called the Ice House or something, but I, yeah, I, re- I remember that show. I think that's when uh, Popeye got his uh, Blue Les Paul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Again, I, I, I remember tiny little details. details. <laughs> so you guys didn't didn't make it into 1996 then? No. No, I, I, I think at that time is like we all kind of went our separate ways. I think, you know, at that time, you know, Mark was, um, he, he got a job later on back, uh, you know, in California. Um, I stuck around, um, and, uh, and, and basically was finishing school up myself. Um, Patterson, uh, you were, you were, you stuck around for a bit and then moved out. to I, LA. Yeah. I remember it was, uh, yeah, around 96, uh, you guys, uh, you guys moved back and I was going to move to Orange County with you. And I remember mm-hmm. I decided to stay in Salt Lake to save up money to buy a new drum kit. Yeah. And w- with the hopes of like, I'll, I'll meet up with you right. hopefully soon. And, and then I ended up, uh, ended up moving out there around 98. But, yeah. 98. Yeah. yeah Cause, because, uh, and that's, you know, when we started doing the, um, started doing some of the video stuff and some of the video work and, and, uh, and, and I was working with you and you started, you started on your pro tools rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's when it started. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, I started on a, a PC. I remember cause I, I recorded Zach in my bedroom yeah. when I, I, that I shared with Andy. Yeah. Moist. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I remember recording his, uh, dialogue for the uh, Battle of uh, Mexico yeah. DVD, yeah. Uh, eating burritos, and uh, <laughs> and I've recorded it on a program called Acid Pro. It was like a nice a primitive, like beat making thing, but I could record audio on it. And I recorded that for him, and he's like, "So, how much do I owe you?" And I'm like, I, "What the fuck do you mean? How much do you owe me? I, I don't, I don't know." It's like literally the first professional recording gig of my entire life. And he's like, oh, I'll just, uh, I'll just bill like a, you know, a day rate, you know, for like what I would pay at a, at a studio. So he ended up paying me like two grand. And that's what I bought my, my first Pro Tools rig. Well, part of, part of that money, or that money went to with you know, $10,000 extra, you know, but uh, I bought my first Pro Tools rig with, with that seed money. Yeah. Nice. So and that yeah, so that was like 99, 98, 99. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so so you guys, it seems like you did all even the three of you, and then of course with uh you know Rage Against the Machine and with all the stuff you've done, you kind of stayed connected, um, you know, have these long lasting friendships. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's the best part, I think, of of being, you know, part of the hardcore punk you know, whatever you want to call it, scene is that you, you forge these friendships that, uh, you know, last over decades. Um, did State of the Nation ever 
was there ever talk you guys playing shows like when they did these rev you know 25 rev 30 30 rev 35 uh was ever like hey let's play because you know some other groups got back doing it right no no i, th- I think we just you know we're just, i think i was i might have been even living in australia at the time i mean so there's just no way um you know, and I was living on the East coast for a bit too, you know, and, and so it's just, it was just a matter of like logistics and, and, you know, Patterson is constantly recording bands, you know, you can probably see his uh, discogs of, of things you know, uh, over the last, you know, 20 years, almost 20 years. And then, you know, you know, my brother's always on the road, so it's uh, pretty difficult to get anything together. I don't but remember I- ever being asked. Huh? Yeah. I was going to say the same thing, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember being invited to those red shows. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. But you know, I went to the New York one, and I had to. I had to buy a ticket. So you're an alumni. Who do we talk to to get this straightened out? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you know who I am? Yeah, I'm that Uh, guy. Ever heard of Rev Forty Four? I'm that. I'm that kid that plays with the Hayworth brothers. You know, you remember me, right? No, Jordan, I actually did ask Jordan uh, to, to share some thoughts, and he just said that the, he thinks this is a great record. Um, he was like, oh, I think it's a great record. Um, I have a fun story. Uh, I was on tour. Uh, uh, my band was on tour with uh, the, the band Cult of Luna okay. and uh, from Sweden, and we played a, an entire tour. And then the very last night of the tour, we're loading and saying our goodbyes and hugs and all this kind of stuff. And I was chatting with uh, uh, Johannes, the singer, and I just mentioned, I was like, oh, you know, it's funny. I've actually been to your hometown, Umea, Sweden. And he's like, oh, really? When I'm like, "Uh, well, I was in this band, State of the Nation. And then we played out there. uh, We played with Refuse. And he just lit up. He's like, oh, State of the Nation. Yes, I was there. I have the record. And he was that record. And he's like, I bought the record when it's at this, it was one of my favorite records. And, it, and first song I ever learned uh, uh, on guitar was Burning Fight, you know? Yeah. And like, <laughs> and so we became, we became instant best friends, like, you know, nice. after that. But I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Had a doom rock shit. No. <laughs> yeah, literally, a doom rock show. <laughs> So one of the things one of the things we uh, we do here, I don't if you've listened, is we have a thing called hot tracks. Hot tracks. I'm gonna go, Andy. Why don't you go first? Oh man. Uh. Well, uh, I think on the. The self-titled record, my favorite is uh, our Cranberries cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, what, which song is that? You mean Fuel? The last the Fuel, last. yeah, Fuel. I, I've always j- joked that it kind of sounds a little bit like a zombie, Cranberry zombie. <laughs> it, it, just in the rhythm. You know, ding, ding, yeah. can, ding, 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 can. I really love playing that song because yeah. it was like, it, like it, we usually play it at least last or toward the end of the set. And it was like yeah. a little more emotional and like, yeah. um, uh, to be fair, my favorite song is fronting cloth, but that was on the first record. And that was because, 
Scott McPherson from Sensefield complimented me on on my playing on that record. Oh, nice. That's a great drummer. But, but just to be fair and balanced, I also, on the European tour with State of the Nation, a uh, guy came up to me, and because we were promoting the, the Rev record on that tour, and a guy came up to me, and he's like, your drumming was, was good on the first record. Uh, this is not so much on the on this new new record. And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, they'll t- they will tell you. Oh, they're exactly. fucking brutal. And I was like, Thanks, I guess. <laughs> Compliment sandwich. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, we talked about that. We talked about that in another episode. Yeah, on uh, I think we were talking to maybe about Civ or something. I forget. I don't remember, but I was the first time I'd ever heard of the compliment sandwich. Uh, yeah. So uh, fuel and front and cloth are my are my my hot takes, hot tracks, hot tracks. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, I'll go. I'll go next because Jason. I feel like I usually make you or Hav go. Um, I'm gonna say mine is. I'm so bad with names, so I had to look. So track four, matter over mind, sounds oh, wow. like reminds me so much of Jawbox. Like I just hear like it's just it's got that soaring chorus and the backup vocals and uh you know great bass line great drumming not as no, good as awesome. on the first not as good as on the first record now <laughs> but uh yeah i just think that like i you know there's certain um records that i didn't grow up hearing you know and that was part of the thing with doing this podcast is like okay sure like some of them like Gorilla Biscuits and Bold and Inside Out and all this, you know, there's stuff that's, I don't have to even really listen to them to hear them because I've, I've heard them so much. But I've got to discover so much stuff that kind of passed me by, um, you know, as a young, I mean, this, this record came out, I was 14, so I wasn't necessarily fully in the Rev universe yet. But um, like the State of the Nation stuff, ice burn engine kid that's like stuff i just discovered within the last like year or whatever and uh all very rewarding listens and i you know i'm compulsive i had to buy all the records i now have a big ice burn collection and engine kid and got both of these but i just if i would have heard this record like in 1997 or something i would have loved it because i was so into that kind of stuff so i'm kind of kicking myself that like i didn't hear it sooner the there was a song on the in-flight program um i think that was a piece right was the in-flight program yeah Um, but i did know that track but yeah that that uh matter of her mind i just think is when i first heard this record i would listen through and then i kept going back to that song like played it on a loop Right um, it just gets me fired up. And then on the first record, I have to say that opening track, Paint Myself, is such a good, like, first song. Um, so if I had to pick for that one, I'm going to pick that. So. Oh, right on. Thanks. That's my story. So, Rob. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go, like, there's, there's, I'm going to do three, I guess, just because I know I'm supposed to pick one, but. Um, yeah, you do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> you know, the fuel thing and, and. I did not, I did not think about the cranberries, but I, cause I always thought about Diane, right. You know, like the Diane song, like, and that's what really kind of, you know, dismissed the pun, but fueled me to, to basically, you know, get, get that song going. So, I mean, and that was a sort of like, as Diane is like, that's such a powerful song that, you know, that, that, uh, that who's you did. And, and that kind of got, got me on that. 
And then um, peace was definitely, I mean, that was just like, I, I think Mark came with that. as like, with that, I mean, just a, just a powerful opening, you know, song uh, and, and just the bass driving that. And then of course, for me, it was like replaced. Cause I just, I think I put a lot of thinking into that songwriting and it just, kind of, I think that that song and fuel kind of really kind of saw me kind of moving my songwriting to some different uh, levels of, of thinking and, and kind of uh, working things out in my head. Like, okay, how do I write songs? Like, what, you know, what do I, where, where is my next sort of work going to come from? So I think that was like those, those, those three songs really kind of made me go, okay, I, I can, I can do this and I can also move in some different directions as I keep moving forward and, 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 um, and uh, evolving, you know, as a songwriter. Were there any songs like Discogs only lists these two records. You guys didn't have any, you know, seven inches, no B-sides. Were there songs that were written for a possible third record that never I, I know, think, got recorded? I, I think there was a couple of things that we uh, X'd out in the studio. <laughs> I was just, I was just going to yeah. bring that up. There's one track, and I don't remember if, at all what it sounded like, but we're we're mixing, and everyone's just real quiet, you know, and like we're. Just, and I can't remember if it was me or or Rob. I can't remember who who like broke the silence first, but one of us was like, you know, this song kind of sucks. <laughs> and everybody like I, I remember everybody collectively being like, I know, right? <laughs> so that, yeah, that, that was out. Like, that got cut. So we know there's one song now. I doubt it's out there at all. Somewhere, somewhere. Oh, we just got a rate. Unless uh, Clint holds on to the tapes for you know twenty plus years, it's it's, we might might we might have to hit him up. Maybe we can premiere now. Uh, I would like. I I haven't talked to him for a while, so I'd actually like to get those because I I don't know where they are. (laughs) I mean, I I highly doubt that they even exist. I I highly doubt that he didn't record over those reels. With something else you know years yeah. after you know because it was on two inch tape that's right. Oh, okay. that's right yeah um mark how about you what's your hot track i probably similar tracks fuel and replace and i was just thinking about it on replace there's that ghost guitar track that i don't think you did cubby yeah, that, it, it's like it's something that I don't know what it was. It's like this weird, like either that or Clint and Andy. Clint and Andy, like after dark hours, somehow threw something in there. Because <laughs> I remember, like we, we like, that little guitar, that bling, you know, like that thing on the. Yeah. And I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And I think we just all agreed, like, "Hey, this is cool. Let's just keep it." And no one fessed up to it. And I, I swear, I don't know if he just, I don't know. You guys were smoking weed or something like that. Pat <laughs> clicked on record and said, yeah, <laughs> well, that's possible. It, 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 it wouldn't happen at night because I was too busy uh, going through Clint's porn collection. <laughs> Dude, I do remember the one uh, uh, one funny moment uh, while we were recording. Uh, about Mark is that we were smoking weed in the control room and and I see Mark like uh, 
sort of like saunter off to the door and he closed the door um and i i still want to believe that he closed the door so we would it would hot box so he could get high but he wouldn't actually have to smoke some kind of like straight edge loophole or something (laughs) i'll go with that (laughs) (laughs) gotta keep it all in one place guys come on that's right Probably where the ghost guitar track came from. Exactly. (laughs) Probably. Jason. Yo. What you got? I was going to go for a piece because it's kind of been just burned in my head from the in-flight program. And I liked hearing it on that. But listening to this LP, I just loved Fuel because of that bass line. And then it's got some killer feedback in there. It kind of has this weird, um, I don't know how to describe it accurately, but I'll just say kind of a whale shoegaze kind of feedback yeah. in there yeah and i saw a live video of you playing this in europe and i was just blown away by how intense it was so yeah, people should definitely seek out that video because it just when i watched it and i heard that song kick in it just gave me a different perspective on it so that's my hot track it's powerful nice thanks thanks appreciate it yeah i mean hey just remember mark was playing through it's not an eight 10 inch ampeg but is a nine 10 inch uh, a cabinet so it made it a whole nother took it to another level of <laughs> sophisticated because i think they only made it one year right they made the the cabinet in 84 or something like that it was a nine 10 inch instead of an eight 10 inch ampeg cabinet so <laughs> I think yeah you guys and your fucking cabs man because first of all that 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 base cab is the reason i fucking hate ampeg base cabs <laughs> i always say those aren't wheels they're lies you know <laughs> and then rob you had that randall cab that was made out of fucking solid steel or iron or something because it was the heaviest cab i've ever lifted yeah that was a backbuster. Oh. yeah they're not wheels they're lies <laughs> so remember that Use that. Anyways, this one is about a book I read by Upton Sinclair. It's called The Jungle. And uh, it's basically his understanding an evolution into a revolutionary. And it's called Replace. was sick yeah man 
this was another mystery band for me until, you know, prepping for, um, you know, for the, the episodes. Um, you know, I heard the song on the State of the Nation song that was on the in-flight program. Yeah, same. And I thought it was fine. Like it wasn't, uh, I believe that was a piece is the song on there. Yeah, you're right. Um, cool song. Um, but, you know, when I would get comps, and we'll definitely have to talk about this, but I'll just briefly say, I feel like if I, I, I didn't understand, like when I got comps, I wish I could say like, I would sit and listen to every track, but like, if I had never heard of the group or whatever, I feel like a lot of times I'd just be like, I'm not listening to this. Yeah, so like, for sure. Like I would be like, oh, I heard of Into Another, so I should listen. So it didn't, it didn't like floor me, but listening to the two albums that they have, the one on Revelation and the one Jason mentioned at the intro on Jade Tree. I mean, it's totally my style of stuff and I'm kicking myself for not having, you know, not having this be something where I'm like, Oh, I've been listening to this for 25 years or something because I definitely would have liked it. Um, hearing both of those. And I love Jade tree, especially that era of Jade tree. Like, I don't know. I don't know how this slipped through the cracks. Yeah. You know why I think it slipped through the cracks. You correct me if I'm wrong. There's the state of the nation comp on discord. State and of the yeah. union. That, I don't know. Oh, you don't think that's why I don't think that's why at all. Confused? No. I no. got the two confused. Do you think that they, they suffered almost from being marketed as an X members thing? No. Cause it was like, I just remembered seeing like gorilla biscuits and I was like, because I didn't know that, you know, until much later that Mark filled in for Gorilla Biscuits. So I remember being like, I'm going to tell you why it suffered. I'm going to tell you why it suffered. Because this does not appeal to everyone. This, not me in this record does not appeal to everyone. And so it's a very specific sound that only a very specific maybe group of people likes. And that's why it didn't become popular. I, I saw. Don't agree with that. It's it's. Here's melodic. the thing. I put this record on. Okay. To listen to it, so that we could talk about it, and I didn't even make it through one song. I will never ever listen to this record again. It's not for me. I don't enjoy it. It's and and I don't think that that's uh, a wild like view of this record. I think that, like. You and I, especially Greg, our musical tastes are so different. And I think that the the ear and the stuff that you have and the ear and the stuff that I have, sometimes it just doesn't line up. And this is one of those records where it's like, you really like this record and you really like the sound. I really don't. And so I think that uh, the other thing is in 1995, when this record came out, I don't think, I think that maybe if the ex members of would have been pushed a little more, maybe it would have gotten more play because uh, it just, I don't remember this record coming out. I don't remember this record, this band having merch, like good merch. It just wasn't presented in the same way as a far side or a sense field or a quicksand or some of the, the records that came around at the same time. It didn't receive the same uh, push into the world in real right. time. So if, if, if it got slipped through the cracks, that I think that's why. 
Um, and and I wanted to add too that like, look what what you know to some people what Javier's saying may sound harsh, but you have to understand, especially now we're getting into territory where we've either not heard the bands ever or it's you know we're not in Rev one through twenty anymore. You know, there's there is like we're not we're also not here to just fluff stuff up for no reason. So far, we've been fortunate where I'm able to find redeeming stuff. Like there hasn't been a release yet where I'm like, this is terrible. Um, you know, we're at what 44. Like I yeah, I enjoy this stuff. Like I hadn't heard Slipknot, and I thought that was killer. And I've already talked about how much I love Engine Kid and um Iceburn. And this was another one I hadn't heard. And I will like these albums both are like in a steady rotation for me now. Yeah. To me, I hear it. I'm just like, well, why, why wouldn't this appeal to people? Because to me, it's just like melodic post-hardcore. Um, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't like the vocals. Me. I didn't like the oh, vocals. Didn't? No, not oh, at all. Oh, I like those. No. Yeah. And, and, you, and it, it just didn't grab me. Now, Keep in mind, I also am the only one out of the three of us who saw this band. And when I saw them, I thought it was very boring and I wasn't into it. It was it was a three-piece, which is hard. It's a hard sell sometimes, especially at a hardcore show or a show where there's hardcore adjacent bands playing. Um, and I just... It's weird, too, because like thinking trying to remember the show and then putting the record on they sounded more upbeat on the record than what i remember at the show i kind of remembered more of a little bit of a policy of three vibe um which i remember in philly which yeah so if i were to go back and listen to a policy of three record right now i don't think that i would make it through the whole record either i bought this i bought the 12 inch because i saw them with grip and uh and ashes um, so yo and so i was like this oh, 12 inch or policy of three policy of three okay. so i was like oh yeah this is cool i'll buy this and i probably listened to it like six times and then got rid of it and i think this kind of falls into the same thing where maybe if i would have seen them and bought it and tried to get into it i could have but then okay. 25 years later this is not for me also and for those i don't who are, think oh, that gosh. what i said was harsh i think that if you thought that Anyone who thinks that what I just said was harsh is soft as fuck. <laughs> and I I didn't say it's garbage. I didn't say it's unlistenable. I just said, I don't like it and I won't go back and listen to it. I don't think that that's, that's mean or rude. That's just me, though. Can I say something there? Kick it. You should listen to it start to finish. Try to give I it won't. a shot. I won't. The first song, it's, the, yeah, it's the hard, first song it's hard to say it's not highlight. for you if you don't listen to it from start to finish. Because there's, there's, okay, there's, there's good songs. I'll give you that. I'll give, you that. Songs, yes. really. I'll give you that. That it's, it is hard to say that it's not for me if I don't listen to it. Yeah. But also, I have a lot of shit going on. <laughs> I don't think that I have time to devote to I, this record right now. Now, if I would have known that I was involved in the in the interview, I was yeah. out of town when you guys do this, which is a growing trend. I'm sorry to everyone who misses listening to my voice. I would have sat down and listened to both records all yeah. the way through. I would and I would have watched live videos. I would have done my fucking homework. But because I knew I wasn't on the interview, I kind of knew that I could cheat a little bit. And so I just put it on 
And I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. Did you like the in-flight? Their song on in-flight? No, absolutely Well, that's the first song on the record. Yeah. Here's the thing about the in-flight comp. For me, compilations work best when they're exclusive tracks or new tracks. Uh, Yeah. This is not a compilation. This is a, a label sampler to me. Um, and now rev 100, that's a fucking compilation because it has unreleased demo, new rare tracks. All of my favorite nineties compilations have at least a few like exclusive tracks, antimatter, the difference between us. Um, definitely not the majors. Uh, some of these, these comps where it's like, Oh, this is the only place that I can get this version of this Gehenna song or this Bloodlet song or this Despair song or whatever it is. And so if I'm making a mixtape or a mix CD or a fucking playlist, if I want to be a completist, I have to go into that. Rev 50 does not check that box for me. And so it's just a bunch of songs put together to get people like Greg no offense to get people like Greg to listen to these other records. And it worked. It worked, it worked also, for Greg. When that came out, you were already way I was in it. into the stuff. Yeah, I was, I was, I was yeah. going through it. You weren't. So I appreciate that. People like you, maybe people like, say, the Pat Flynn's of the world or, or people that. in different countries or whatever who didn't have the same access that I did living in Orange County in 1995. I totally get it. But for me, it doesn't, it, that doesn't work. Well, I, I think that, I mean, if you, when you hear the interview, obviously none of me and Jason, our hot tracks were not the first track. And I don't, I think the first track's a good song, yeah, but it's not, definitely. I wouldn't like, as far as first tracks, I prefer the first track on the, on the Jade Tree record is, is almost like, like I sent that to somebody who'd never heard. And he's like, oh, this is kind of like almost like drive like Jehu ish, like huh. kind of has that John John Reese like screw like I don't know I'm I'm well here's the other thing if I were if I wanted to listen to this right now <clears throat> first of all this is my bad I don't listen to Spotify on my computer I have too many other fucking programs to listen to Spotify on my computer so if I if I Google State of the Nation Revelation Records the first thing that comes up is Rev HQ. Second thing is Discogs. Third is eBay. Then rate your music. So if I wanted to listen to this record, I'd have to listen to a fucking YouTube stream of it. Or I'd have to put it on Spotify on my phone. On fucking Bandcamp. Doesn't Rev have a Bandcamp? They do. And it's not on there. Igby. Mm. (laughs) 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 Okay, fair enough. I don't know, man. And and I can't illegally download it because... Uh, oh, actually, I could I think, find a flack version of it if I wanted to. I think about the bands that they reference to me, Stay the Nation. Uh. And it's like, well, of course, Javier's not into it. You, like, I think, uh. people, so say someone, if someone, this, this is the first time someone's listening, like, he doesn't like, I'm talking about him like he's not here. He doesn't really like anything from DC um, or like Midwest. Uh. Uh, you know, like like your Husker Dues and your replacements and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff that 
is sort of referenced in the music of State of the Nation. So it's not a shock to me. Do you want to hear a review of the record from September 1st, 1995? Please. Lollipop Magazine. Um, a, A gentleman by the name of Tim Creeder did this review and he says <clears throat> picture a really angry matthew sweet huh do you think that's uh true i it's don't a little i love matthew sweet matthew okay, sweet so, had a video and i can't remember what the video yeah with the fucking anime on it yes. yes yes okay listen um okay go ahead. this cd is chock full of power pop excrement really lame not very political with annoying vocals I'd rather listen to Michael Jackson's Free Willy epics. The people at Revelation must be on crack to promote this album. I hope they get dropped and die of starvation. Save your okay. money for the 90210 soundtrack instead of buying this. Okay, first of all, they that's are a trolling that, ass. First of all, hey, first trolling all. didn't exist in 1995. <laughs> that's this a, is pre-internet. That's a, yeah, that's a primitive troll right there. I disagree because this with, shit, First of uh, all, it's political and yeah. it's not power pop. And anyone that listens to music yeah. can tell you that. Yeah, I I disagree. Fucking with lollipop. Much every every word written in that review. Yes. Besides maybe it's sounding like an angry Matthew Sweet, which to what? me, yeah, is a good thing. Um, and power pop, no, like that's no. It's, it's just like to me, it's just like if this is power pop, then so is fucking Jawbox or whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I. I I, I I think I think the record's awesome. I think the J Tree record's really good. I think too, you know, this sort of how do I say? It? So, you know, there was when we did the talk about Inside Out. I think there was you know the the opinion again. We we stay impartial. We're here. We're just listening to the stories. But I'm, I'll, I'll address it. You know, there was the conversation in there where, you know, Rob and Mark were essentially referred to as like uh, Zach's yes men or lackeys, whatever you want to call it. And, um, hey, everyone's entitled to what they want to think. But I do think that when you hear this, it's like, no, these guys were like, like have talent, like they have talent. They're not just some guys that were just along for the ride. Um Rob has done a lot of stuff politically um, with writing um, and, uh, you know, in academia, um, you know, Mark has, uh, you know, done stuff with, uh, you know, he's a tour manager now. Dude, like straight up Mark's bass lines on this shit make me want to learn how to play bass. Really? That's what I'm saying. Like the baselines on this shit is what yes. got me on this record. So what I, I don't think I, I don't think anybody has ever doubted the Hayworth brothers' musical abilities. No, and I'm not even saying, but I'm just saying I think this is a nice like for those who maybe heard that and thought that that was the be all end all. This presents another side where I think you can yeah, you know, listen. it's interesting because that Inside Out interview to me. When I think of State of the Nation, it, it doesn't compute. I don't, I don't equate the two. I have, and I've never equated the two. I've never thought like, oh, these guys in State of the Nation are just inside out B team. 
And I've never thought that. This has always stood out on its own in my mind. Even if I've never liked it, it's its own thing. And I appreciate it for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I, I hope, I'm going to say for anybody that likes melodic, post-hardcore, whatever you want to call it, Discord stuff, stuff that Discord I think was doing probably in the early 90s, late 80s, um, you know, the more aggressive Bob Mould, Sugar, like you're going to like this record. And um, I like, I'll say I love it. Um, it, but it's, you know, we call like, I would call it Greg rock. Like it's literally like checks every box yeah. for like what I like in bands. And, you know, whereas like Javier likes, you know, crazy, noisy, chaotic stuff, which yeah. that doesn't really check many boxes for me. No. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. It's on Spotify. Uh, listen to the Jade tree one as well. Um, and it was, it was cool to talk to those guys and, uh, can't really think of anything else I need to say. Just, uh, I don't know. makes me want <laughs> Now I'm like, I think when I go back to work, I'm going to listen to the rest yeah. of the record. I, I dig it. I dig it. Um, that's all I got, boys. I got nothing. Um, Jason, what's our next yeah. episode? Damn, I think Catherine moved all my shit around, so I don't even well, have Well, I'll fucking tell anymore. you then. It's the Far Side ah, self-titled EP, right. which I'm holding a factory-sealed copy of the cassette right here in my hands. Are the two extra tracks on the cassette? Uh, listen, uh, you know what's interesting about this? There's no information on the J card about what songs are on the cassette. Wait, oh, you got the tape version? I got the I tape here. So you can see through the clear Norelco box that it has the names of the songs, but only one side. Obviously, I can't see the other side in there, but it doesn't tell you what songs are on the tape on this. So I don't know. How many songs <laughs> are on the first side? Three? It uh, looks like three songs on each side. Right, then, then I'm sure it has. Yeah, then it would have. The side B has Knox, Hardly Getting Over It, and I'll Wait Today. Yes, so it does. So Which, how many songs were on the seven inch? Four? four or the first four. four. Cool. So I guess we can, because it's it's done, uh, for that one, for people to look forward to when you're hearing this, next time we had a chat with Popeye, Bob, and um, Kevin about the record. These guys were out of town, and I got to be joined by our friend, Bedge. So Bedge. to bit of to bed um and uh, it was a super fun conversation as anything far side related is those guys are an absolute pleasure um and i'm stoked for people to hear that one so next week cool someone sell me your state of the nation t-shirt i'm buying Do they have good merch yeah uh mark sent me a photo of one of their shirts it looks sick yeah we'll share some we'll share, yeah. have to share some of the stuff he sent some cool uh, flyers and, and shirts. Yeah, but it was uh, the only was shirt I've shirt? seen. One shirt. Yeah, it's just one shirt double-sided and it has the inside of the uh, the layout that like that illustration and the back has something cool on it. Yeah, so go um, listen to it. Also, don't forget you guys, I, I took photos of the um, far side artwork and I'll, oh, I'll share that as well. Yeah. Awesome. I think... In my in my excavations at Revelation, I uncovered the original like 
when they went to the portrait studio and handed him back oh, the portraits fuck. in an envelope, I held that in my hands. That's awesome. We talked cool. all about that in the episode to yeah. give people a little teaser. Yep. All about the photos, uh, the stories behind the songs, the song titles, and everything. It's, it cool. was awesome. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, we'll see you next episode. Bye. Thanks, everybody. What's up, y'all? Javier here. Just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top-tier patrons. Millie Tunnell, Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Cliche John, David Palmer, Dirk Focust, Dustin Perry, Greg Jackson, JPD2, Jeremy Holohan, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Maddie Cox, Nate of Head to Wall fame, Rob Moran, Ryan Walker, Tim Shear, Siren Records, and Dollar Slice Bootlegs. If you'd like more information about how you can help us and find out other cool shit, go to www.wherewentpodcast.com. Bidabo.